Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Today, as you're having a seat, get your Bible out and go with me to Acts chapter number 23. This is the story of us, not just a history lesson about what happened in the early church, but it's a story and a lesson for our lives here and now today. The title of today's specific message is, The Lord is Standing By. Not just operators are standing by, but the Lord is standing by. Let me remind you of where we've come so far. The Apostle Paul has finally made it to Jerusalem in his travels. He's gotten there for the feast, and he's received instructions from the church to go and to pay the price for purification for some men who have taken a vow. He's there in the temple, and people from Asia see him in the temple and assume that he brought a Gentile into the temple with him, and so it causes an uproar. They drag him out of the temple, shut the doors, and they start to beat him up. When the Romans step in, because they hear that there's something taking place, and they go and they grab Paul out, and they start to ask what's going on, and they can't really decide, and so they allow Paul to give a defense before the people, and so he stands and he starts to speak to the people. A hush falls over the place, and everybody leans in and listens until he gets to the point where he says that Jesus sent him far away to the Gentiles. And that was like the igniter, you know what I mean? It just lit everybody up angry again, and so they brought Paul into the barracks. The next day, they bring him before the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, and he starts to speak to them and realizes he's not going to get a fair trial. Really, it would be casting his pearls before swine, and so he decides to make a defense, and in making that defense, it's almost as if he takes a grenade and just launches it in the middle of a bunch of guys because he says he's there based on the hope of the resurrection. And there were some people who agreed with that and some people who didn't agree with that. And all of a sudden, a fight breaks out once again with the religious leaders. Once again, the Romans have to pull him out of there because they think that he's going to get picked to pieces by these religious leaders. And so they draw him out, and it's now nighttime, okay? Apostle Paul is by himself there in the barracks. And I would imagine that he probably wasn't getting much sleep. He'd been beaten. He'd been backstabbed. He'd been hurt. He was there alone. And he's crying out to God, praying, wondering, God, is this all there is? Is this all that's going to happen? I mean, I came to Jerusalem, and his heart longs for the Jewish people. You can read about it in Romans. Here he is, and he's probably crying out to God, and just maybe in a moment, just kind of drifted off to sleep, and, but then woke up again with the same weights and pressures on his life. And it's in this circumstance, in this situation, in the night hours where he's there wondering what's going to take place and what's going to happen, that we find one of the most comforting verses that I believe is in the entire Bible. Acts chapter 23, verse number 11. Let's read it together. It says this, But the following night the Lord stood by him. I'm just going to pause right there for a moment because if that really was our two-minute sermon, we could stop right there and go home. Because how comforting is it to know that the Lord stood by him? But not only did he stand by him, look at, and he said, Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness at Rome. I mean, this verse is just so comforting because all of us know that there's what's called the omnipresence of God, that God is everywhere at all times. The psalmist wrote and he said, Where can I go from your presence? If I go up to the heights, you're there. If I go down to the depths, you're there. If I rise up on the wings of the morning and cross the deepest oceans, guess what? You're over there too. Even if I go down to death in the abode of the dead, Sheol, if I go down to that place, I'll find you there as well. Where can I run from you? I can't hide from you. Even darkness around you is a light, and you'll find me there. We all understand that. We all know that, but you know, God is a spirit. 
And even though we know that God is everywhere at all times and all places, that He's ever-present, sometimes we still feel alone. But this is different because it doesn't say that just God stood by Him. It says that the Lord stood by Him, meaning Jesus. The entirety of God, this God who fills the universe and the heaven of heavens Himself, that dwells bodily in Jesus Christ. That's the one that stood by Paul in the night hour. Oh, my goodness. Now, all of a sudden, we understand. Why? Because maybe there was a moment in your life where you were having a hard time and you thought that you were all alone and a friend knocked on the door and showed up, brought you a pizza and sat down and just shared some laughs with you. You realized I'm not alone. Maybe you were feeling like, man, my whole family turned their back on me. Maybe your spouse came in and just gave you a hug and just built you up and encouraged you and said, we're here. We're family. We're with you. Maybe you were on your own one time as a child and a teacher or a coach or somebody came and spent some time with you and just built you up and encouraged you and you remember how good it felt to know that you were not alone, that somebody was there to hold your hand, to lift you up, to encourage you, to pray for you. See, God knows that we have a hard time relating to an invisible God, but God wanted to show us himself and now Jesus, the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person, the one in whom God, the Godhead dwells fully in his body. That's the one that God sent to us. That's the one that took the, pay, the price for our sin on the cross. And that's the one who by Paul in the middle of the night stood by him. See, we see Jesus standing by. But many times we think, but wait a second. I thought Jesus was seated. Of course he's seated at the right hand of God when it comes to the work of redemption. But this verse said he was standing by. In fact, the original word in the Greek is a compound word of meaning upon and to stand. And when you put them together, it means to stand upon, to take a firm stance or a hard position. In the military sense, it means to stand at your post. See, the present-day ministry of Jesus Christ is not to sit down and let things happen. No, the present-day ministry of our high priest, Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 25, is that He ever lives to make intercession for those who come to God through Him. See, when it comes to the work of redemption, Jesus is seated. But when it comes to the work of intercession, Jesus is standing. Let me give you a picture of this, right? Because here Jesus comes to the earth. Here Jesus goes to the cross. He pays the price for our sins and takes the penalty upon himself. He dies. And the Bible says that he who came down, that he descended into the lower parts of the earth. What did he do? He went down to where the Old Testament saints were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. And he declares who he is, that he is overcome. He turns around. He declares to the spirits in bondage that he is overcome. But then he tells the people who were looking forward to him by faith. He says, come on, boys and girls. I have overcome. And the Bible says that he led captivity captive, that he led captives in his train, and that he ascended on high, and that he goes not on the earth, not where the high priest would have went, where he comes in with the blood of another, with the blood of a bull, or of a goat, or of a calf, or a heifer, or something like that, where he would sprinkle the blood, and God would look down, and he would no longer see rejection of his leadership, his laws, and of his provision. No, now he sees the blood of the innocent sacrifice, but that high priest, he had to turn around, and he had to walk out of the presence of God, never sitting down. Why? Because the work was never finished. But when Jesus, our high priest, when he was the sacrifice, and when he died, and when he ascended on high, he didn't go into the earthly temple. 
No, he went to the heavenly holy of holies. And there, in the presence of God Almighty himself, he shed his blood on the mercy seat. And then our high priest, he sat down because it was finished. So he's seated at the right hand of God. But the problem is we're down here and stuff's happening. Things are going on. Finances are fleeting. The faithful have fallen. People are running around. Things are dividing. And his kids are in trouble. And you think Jesus is just going to sit by and do nothing about it? No, see, the work of redemption was done, but Jesus sees his own, his Brethren, the Bible says, the fathers, children, sons and daughters in trouble, and Jesus, being our high priest, ever lives to make intercession. That means that Jesus takes a stand on your behalf. Let me share this to you in the Bible in the book of Acts, chapter number 7. You remember Stephen, the very first martyr of the church. Here he preaches a scathing sermon, a rebuke to the leaders of that day and to the Jews, and he tells them that they always resist the Holy Spirit and that Jesus was the Christ. And so after he preaches this sermon, they rush him, and they drag him out of the city outside the gates, and they start to throw stones at him to kill him. And it's at that moment in Acts chapter 7, verse number 55 and verse number 6, 56, it says, but he, speaking of Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus. Now, hold on a second. What's that next word right there? Oh, come on, shout it at me. I know you can read. What's that next word right there? And he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. But in case you didn't get a hold of it in verse number 55, look at verse number 6. And he said, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man doing what? Oh, shout it at me, doing what? Standing at the right hand of God. Now, church, the Lord is no respecter of persons. Because you might say, well, of course he's going to stand for Stephen. He's the first martyr. Of course he's going to stand for Paul. He's the great apostle. But did you know that Jesus, the same blood that was shed for Stephen, and the same blood that was shed for the Apostle Paul. Hey, that same blood is the blood that cleanses your conscience from evil works. And the same high priest that stood up for Stephen. And the same high priest that stood by Paul. That's the same high priest that in your midnight hour, when you're wondering about the future, when you're crying out to God, when you just have been beat up by the world, guess what? Jesus is standing by you. Wow, that's just amazing, isn't it? The Lord is standing by you, and he's standing by you to do things in your life. Jesus is not inactive. He's not passive. Jesus is actively involved in our lives here and now, today. He's standing by for a purpose, and today I want to talk to you about what he's standing by to do, because if you'll get a hold of these things and realize these things, it's going to change the world that you live in. You're going to find that you've got more strength. You're going to find that you'll be able to face a new day. You're going to find that you're going to be able to take the problems and the pressures and the trials that come at your life. You will be out there doing what God has called you to do and being all that God has called you to be. Why? Because the Lord is standing by you, and you know what he's standing by you to do. So for the first thing today is this, is that the Lord stands by you, number one, to strengthen you. The Lord stands by you to strengthen you. You know, life can be crushing. 
the weights and the pressures that we carry can bog us down and hold us back. What are these weights? Weights of family. Sometimes we have such weights on us about our children. Are they going to grow up and serve the Lord? Are they going to do what we told them to do? Are they, are they going to get on drugs? Are they going to have premarital sex? Are they going to ruin their lives? Are they going to be a bum just playing video games all the time? Any parents know what I'm talking about, right? They were such great little kids, but then they turned into teenagers and they lost their minds. What happened? We carry the weights of family. We carry the weights of our spouses. We used to be so close. used to see everything eye to eye, and then we got married. Hello? It's like, what happened, man? I married them one way, and they turned out another way. I don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand what's going on. Life can be tough. Weights can be crushing in our lives and family. Sometimes it's extended family. Sometimes it's a disagreement about the weight and the care of your, your parents that are aging or how are we going to make it in life or, you know, my, my brother thinks this way, my sister thinks that way, and whenever we get together, we fight like cats and dogs. Those are, can be weights that we carry. Not only family, but what about friends? Sometimes the weight is I have no friends. I've got nobody around me. I need somebody in my life. Sometimes I've got so many friends that I feel bad when I hang out with one. All the other ones are wondering, why would you post that on Instagram? Why, why aren't you hanging out with us? Why didn't we get the invite, right? We carry those weights. Sometimes you grow up with friends and then life happens and you start to drift apart and you wonder, wait a second, I thought we were close. Those can be weights that we carry. The weight of finances. How can we make it? Things are breaking down. Got to put shoes on the kids' feet. Things are getting more and more expensive. Gasoline is like $21 a gallon. What's going on? And the future can be a weight that we carry. Seems like it's getting darker out there. Wars and rumors of wars and things are taking place and our land is divided and politics and the education and I don't just know what's going to happen in the future. And these are weights that we carry. And what do we do with these weights? Well, hopefully, by now you've realized that the Lord is standing by to strengthen you. See, he may not pull every weight off of your shoulders. In fact, Jesus said, take my burden on you. He didn't take away burdens. He put another burden on you. But he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's the greater one living on the inside of you. And we will still go through the problems. You're still going to have the pressures of life on you. But when Jesus gives you strength, you can carry the weight. Is anybody listening today? The Lord wants to strengthen you. Oftentimes, I've carried the weight and the pressure of my job and my life and family and all the things that have gone on. In fact, five years ago when we took on the senior pastor of this church, you know, there was a pressure and a weight that was on my shoulders. No one can describe it to you. No one can tell you. You can't be prepared for it. You know, I was the XP here for a number of years and thought that I knew about running the church and had a lot of responsibility, but until the actual pressure and weight is on you, you just don't know it. You just don't understand it. And so I remember early on, I had all these weights and pressures because, you know, my job is not like, hey, if we don't get this done, the bottom line is going to go down. It's like people's eternal soul, you know, and it's like, my God, what am I doing? You know what I mean? Anybody's got to be crazy to do this job. But I said yes to Jesus a long time ago, and I never looked back, and so this is where he brought me to, so this is what we're doing. Okay, God. And so I'll take a walk, and I'll take a long walk. Go and have a talk with Jesus, and as I talked to him about the weights and the pressures, the tears flow. But you know what? I come back, and even though I still have to make the decision, even though I still got to face what's going on or the people that are causing ruckus, guess what? I've got the strength now to carry it. Jesus will strengthen you. Let me show this to you in the Word of God. The Apostle Paul is writing to his young protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Turn there with me. 2 Timothy chapter number 4. I'm going to read to you two verses, verse number 16 and verse number 17. The Apostle Paul is talking about a time that he was on trial. 
Now, I don't know if it was this trial before the Sanhedrin. I don't know if it was a trial in Asia, you know, maybe in Ephesus before the council, that sort of a thing, or, or if it was a trial. Some, some scholars believe it was before the Emperor Nero. A lot of people say that that was really what it was talking about, but I want to just take a look because it doesn't really matter which trial it was. I want to just pull out the truth of where the Apostle Paul was at. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 16 and verse number 17. He says, at my first defense, no one stood with me. See, even at this trial in Jerusalem, you don't see James come and saying, hey, hey, I'm the pastor of the church. Can, can I just say something on Paul's behalf? Where was James at? Peter, you don't even find his name mentioned in the end of the book of Acts. Here's this great apostle who was sent to the Jews. He must have been out of town or something. We don't know where Peter was at, but you don't find him rushing back. Hey, hey everybody, I'm the one that preached the sermon on the day of Pentecost. Can I just talk about my brother Paul for a second? You know, I know his sermons and his scriptures can be hard to understand, and this guy's very intellectual and very weighty with his words, but you know what? He's a good man, and he doesn't go against the Jews. No, you don't find Peter, James, John. You don't find any of the apostles. Where were they at? Where was the church at? They were there, and then they were gone. So Paul says, at my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. But look at his heart. He says, may it not be charged against them. He said, I am mad at them. I'm not going to hold that against God. Forgive them. But look at verse 17. Even though no one stood with him, verse 17, but the Lord stood with me. I got good news for you today. If you walked into this place feeling like you were all alone, even in the midst of a crowd of people, guess what? You might be all alone. There might not be anybody around you. Everybody might have turned their back. Your mama might have turned her back on you. But guess what? Even though everyone may forsake you and walk out, Jesus never left. He's been standing with you the whole time. But not only that, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. So that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. See, you might be facing the devil down every morning. He might be coming to attack you, trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But if the Lord stands with you, he will strengthen you. And you will be able to be carried through every weight, every pressure, every problem, every trial. God will deliver you from the devil, from the hand of man. And guess what? His purpose will be fulfilled in you. The Lord stands by you to strengthen you. But second thing for us today is this, is that the Lord stands by you to speak to your current situation. Notice that Jesus, when he shows up, he doesn't just stand by. He makes himself known. And how does he do that? He does that by the power of his word. He starts to speak and declare the place that Paul is at, but as well the destiny that's coming to him. And he encourages him and he strengthens him. I heard the story of a man who was from the country and he goes to the city to visit a friend of his. And there in the city, his friend is showing him around and showing him the buildings and the architecture, the restaurants and the shops and all of the different things. And as they're walking around, the city's just buzzing. People are everywhere. Sounds and sights and all kinds of stuff going on. There's people taking, uh, you know, orders at restaurants. And you can hear the, the, the utensils clinking against the plates. You can hear doors opening and shutting and bells ringing and cash registers going. There's, there's people shouting at each other from building to building. You got helicopters flying overhead, buses driving by, cars honking horns, and just things are going on all around. And suddenly in the midst of all this chaos, the man from the country looks at his friend and he says, hey, 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 do you hear that? And his friend says, hear what? He says, no, 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 do you hear it? It's a cricket. His friend looks at him like he's crazy. He says, what? 
don't tell me you hear a cricket. There's all kinds of noise everywhere. You're, you're just hearing things now. You've been in the country too long. He says, no, 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 I tell you, there's a cricket. I can hear it. So he starts to look around, and he pushes past the crowds of people and watches as he's got to go across the street through the traffic. And finally, he comes up to a little planter, and he pulls his friend over, and he shows his friend. He lifts up a little leaf, and out hops a cricket from underneath that leaf. He says, see, I told you I heard a cricket. His friend's amazed. He says, how did you know that was there? He says, your ears are tuned to everything in this city. But I'm from the country, and my ears are tuned to the sounds of the country. Church, can I tell you something? You are no longer of this world. You are in the world, but you're no longer of the world. You are now a citizen of heaven. You are now looking forward to a land and to a country. There is an inheritance waiting for you, and no longer do we listen to the sounds around us. The Bible says there are many voices and yet none without significance. There might be a voice that's coming at you. Someone might be telling you about the importance of the day. Somebody might be shouting at you about the things and the problems that are happening out there in the world, but if you will quiet yourself, if you will tune out the ambient noise of this world and listen for the sound of heaven, you will hear the voice of your Savior, Jesus, speaking to you in the midnight hour. The Lord will speak to you. Notice he speaks to Paul and he says to be of good cheer. This could also be translated take courage or take heart, Paul. See, we always will find comfort, we'll find peace, we'll find encouragement, and whatever else we need in the words of Jesus. When you hear the voice of God, when you hear Jesus speaking to you, it gives you the courage and the heart to take a hold of the promises of God. There's sections of Scripture that I confess daily over my life, and the reason why I do that is because, you know, sometimes people say, well, I can't hear the voice of God. Absolutely you can. You can hear Him spiritually right here in your heart. If you'll just get settled and get quiet, get rid of the distractions and listen in and pray to Him, but not just speak only. No, take time and listen. God will speak to your heart. But did you know that the easiest way to hear the voice of God is right here in His Word. Because the Bible says that this is the inspired Word of God. That word inspired means God breathed. When you talk, you are breathing as well, right? In fact, the Bible said that Paul breathed out threats. But you know that God breathed out promises? God breathed out blessings. God breathed out instructions for life. God has breathed His Word. And the easiest way every morning when you wake up is just open up this Word and start to listen for the voice of God. And so every day I declare the promises of God. Why? Because I can hear God speaking to me through His promises. Promises like, be strong and of good courage. For I will never leave you nor forsake you. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And I will give you the tongue of the wise. And you will give instruction. These are things that I declare over myself and over my life every day. Let me give you a promise from Jesus Himself. In John chapter number 16, verse number 33, I'm going to read it to you in the New English translation. You can read along in whatever translation you have. But John chapter 16, verse number 33, Jesus is speaking, and He says these words. He says, I have told you these things. Notice Jesus is speaking. Jesus is the Word of God. God is always talking, and He has something to say. But what He has to say, He says through Jesus. And through his word, and he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Wow. In the world you have trouble and suffering. You ever been to somebody's house and you've seen like the blessed sign and, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I have never been to somebody's house and seen this scripture on their wall like, in the world you will have trouble and suffering, you know. Never seen that. 
No one's confessing that. I've never seen it in the daily devotional. Confess these promises over your life. In the world, I'll have trouble and suffering. I have never had to believe God for that promise in his word. Right? It's just going to happen. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We, we live in difficult days. And it's not getting better. It's got to get worse. It's going to get darker before the day dawns. But guess what? Jesus said, I've told you these things. I've spoken to you. Why? So that in me you have, may have peace. In the world you will have trouble and suffering, but look at what he says. Take courage. Take heart. Be of good cheer. I have conquered the world. Come on. Somebody give the Lord a praise for that. Which brings us to the last one for today. Is that Jesus is standing by. Number one, to strengthen you. Number one, number two, to speak to your current situation. And number three, last one for us today is this, is to set up your future. To set up your future. Notice that Jesus told Paul that he would bear witness at Rome. That means that no matter how bad it got on the journey, that Paul knew he would make it out alive. See, there could have been riots. There could have been, even if you read ahead, you'll find out there was a shipwreck. There was a storm, there was a snake bite, all kinds of stuff that tried to stop Paul. But Paul knew something. He knew that he had a word from God. And that until he had testified in Rome and gave his witness, that he was going to be all right no matter what came at him. In fact, Acts chapter 23, verse number 12. Remember, we just read verse number 11. Here Jesus shows up and stands by Paul and he speaks over his life and he sets up his future. And then in the very next verse something happens. Let's take a look at it in Acts chapter 23, verse number 12. Look at it together with me. It says, Acts 23, 12, and when it was day, it's the morning, some of the Jews banded together and bound themselves under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had get Paul, killed Paul. What did they do? They woke up, they said, we're going to skip our Wheaties this morning, and we're going to fast until we've done something. What did they want to do? They wanted to kill Paul. Now, Paul's nephew gets a hold of this. And drop down to verse number 16. It says, so when Paul's sister's son heard of their ambush, he went and entered the barracks and told Paul. Think about this for a second. Paul has just had an amazing night. Jesus stands by him. Jesus strengthens him. Jesus speaks to him. Jesus sets up his future. You're going to go to Rome, Paul. And then right after that, here comes, hey, there's 40 guys waiting, more than 40 guys, they're waiting. They're not going to eat or drink anything until they've killed you. Can you imagine just, here he is going from the highest of high to the lowest of lows in one moment. And that's often how it is. I, I, I want to just give you a heads up before you leave this place today. I want to just share with you what may happen as you walk out of this building today. Even though in church, you might have been clapping. You might have been celebrating. You might have been singing. Oh, my goodness. You might have got brought up to the heights. But as you walk out of this place, can I tell you something? Someone may come to you and say, hey, did you see this? Hey, did you hear what they're saying about you on Instagram? Hey, did you see on Facebook? Did you, did you listen to the news? Did you know what was going on? You might get to your car, and the devil might show up and start lying to you and start hating on you and bring up your past and all those things. You say, Pastor, you think it's like that? Hey, just read your Bible. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. The, the sky splits and the Spirit of God descends on him like a dove. The voice of God audibly speaks, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased, right? And what's the next verse say? It says, he was led by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil in the wilderness. Oh my goodness. How about when Jesus goes up to the Mount of Transfiguration? 
Here he is glowing, right? The, the countenance of God, the presence of God, the glory just goes all over him. His, his clothes appear like lightning. Moses and Elijah show up. Peter wants to build tents for each and every one of them, just camp out there, right? God interrupts and says, hey, hey, quiet, kid, you know, like, listen to him. This is my son. Listen to him. And they come from that mountaintop experience down to the valley, and there's a man with a demon-possessed son that says, your disciples can't do nothing if you maybe could do something for him, Jesus. See, we often get slapped in the face from the mountaintop to the valleys with the problems and the pressures of life. You might have a great experience in church today and go home and have the worst day of your entire life. And that's what happened to Paul. Paul Here he is, has an encounter with God in the middle of the night, and the very next morning, he's facing bad news once again. But Paul had a choice. He had a choice to either believe the words of Jesus from the night before or to be fear over the report of the plot against his life. And he gets a centurion to take his nephew to the commander and to do something about it. In other words, he knows his future is secure, and so therefore, he's going to move and he's going to act. So he sends, he entrusts his life to a little boy. I believe he was a little boy because if you read the language, it says that the commander took him by the hand and pulled him aside and started to talk to him. And listen to what the nephew says in Acts chapter number 23, verse number 20. And he said, the Jews have agreed to ask that you bring Paul down to the council tomorrow as though they were going to inquire more fully about him. Verse 21, but do not yield to them. For more than 40 of them lie in wait for men who have bound themselves by an oath that they will neither eat nor drink till they have killed him. And now they are ready waiting for the promise from you. Verse 22, so the commander let the young man depart and commanded him, tell no one that you have revealed these things to me. Verse 23, and called for two centurions. Centurions were uh, commanders in the army that looked over 100 men each. And he said, prepare 200 soldiers, 70 horsemen, and 200 spearmen to go to Caesarea at the third hour of the night. Verse 24, and provide mounts to set Paul on and bring him safely to Felix, the governor. Bring him safely. God is going to carry you safely home. God has a future. God has a plan for your life. God is going to carry you safely. My wife Jessica and I on our days off like to watch movies, hang out on the couch, you know, get lunch or something like that and watch a good movie. And uh, the neat thing about my wife is that she doesn't remember any of the movies she's ever watched. And the reason why I like that is because if I want to watch a movie again, I don't feel bad about making her watch it again if she didn't like it the first time because she didn't remember it, you know. And so, you know, we'll watch it again. But it's so funny because, you know, I like those shoot 'em up movies. I want something blowing up. I want the hero with, like, a gun that's bigger than him walking away from a blast where it's like, you know, that slow-mo walk, like, and here comes the fire behind him. Things are, like, flying different ways, right? And just like, yeah. You know, I got I to gotta have that in my life. I'm a man, you know? So, so I'll watch these movies with her sometimes. But inevitably in those movies, there's that moment where the bad guy has just got the upper hand on the good guy, right? They got a gun to his head. They got him tied upside down. He's being lowered into a pit of lava or something like that. And my wife, because she can't remember any of the movies she's ever watched, she grabs my arm. She goes, <gasps> what's going to happen? And I'm like, honey, you've seen this movie five times. You know what's going to happen. And by the way, what kind of story would it be if they dropped the guy in lava? Like, that stinks. That'd be a terrible movie. You know, he's going to make it. It's going to be all right. 
But I find that oftentimes we're like that with God, even though we know the end of the story, even though we read the last chapter in the book and we know that we won, sometimes we go, God, what's going to happen? And God says, would you settle down? You know the end of the story. You know that I'm standing by. You know that I've got the strength that you need. You know that I'm going to speak to you and give you the wisdom. And you know I'm setting up your future child. It's going to be all right. We can know the end of the story that God has it all under control. He will carry you safely home. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.